Hello and welcome to this Farm Advisory Service podcast. My name is James Murphy and today I'm joined by Mark Tripney of iSoil and Gavin Elric of SAC Consulting. We're here in Easter Ross after a Soil Nutrient Network meeting and Mark, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Mark Tripney. My company is iSoils. I work across the UK looking at soils and nutrients and trying to encourage farmers to understand that there's more to soils than just N, P and K. And Gavin? Uh, Gavin Elric, SEC Consulting, based in the Tariff Office. I'm a soils and water specialist, looking at the benefits of good soil structure, drainage, but also utilising organic manures to the best potential for the farm. One of the big takeaways from the meet today, I think, was that whether you're growing potatoes, barley or, or grass, your soil is really, really important. Yeah, that's, I would say that's the key thing. You're getting your soil right, you are on the, on the road to success. But there's more than just simple answers. The, the key thing is uh, getting the pH right for a start um, and then looking at all the other nutri- nutrient indices according to your soil type and getting them on target for that soil type. And as soil is such a variable commodity across the country, then we need to have a more targeted approach. Yeah, I'd have to agree with um, Gavin. It's- it is soil, we know relatively little about it in reality and it, you know, we need to encourage the soil particularly to operate aerobically. A lot of the cultivation practices that we've managed to foster over the years, we've perhaps taken them a little bit too far and we could do with readdressing those and ensuring that the soil is functioning aerobically because when it functions aerobically we get the breakdown of the organic matter that's been put onto the soil and that's where ultimately the profit lies you know we talk about sustainable or regenerative farming there are things that we can do and we need to encourage the soil organic matter is a massive store of nutrient not just the macros but the micros and trace elements as well there is huge potential there a soil with five percent organic matter in has got the potential to release 100 kilos of nitrogen per annum if we farm the soil rather than just uh, and manage the soil rather than just turn it over and do what we've always done. You know, there's so much more we could look at. We need to encourage the microbial life within the soil. We need to in- improve the soil structure. And it's more than just looking at what comes out of a bag. You know, let's look at the balances between the various cations, calcium, magnesium, potassium and sodium in particular, which actually have such a major influence on pH. It's not just calcium. Um, you know, there is more to soils than just fertiliser. So what then would you say is one of the most important things farmers can do to encourage that aerobic activity or the aerobic state of soil? Get a spade out and go and dig some holes. See what the state of your land is like. Your management practices are probably slightly different from your Mm neighbours. You might have 300 head of livestock. He's got nothing and he's just pulling metal through the soil. You know, what he's got on your land, even though he's next door, might be very different to what, you know, what you're actually doing. So get a spade out, dig in the soil, inspect the soil. Have we got any worms? Is there any microbial activity? Have we got pans in the soil? Is the water draining through the soil? The simple fact is most uh, farmers and land managers will be walking through their fields at any time of the year. So the key thing is when you do that walk is to take a spade with you. And you don't have to take a great big spade you can just take a half 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 spade and just go and check 
any bits that you come across on that performing, have a look to see if it's a physical issue before you you start uh, getting too worried about what can we spray on to, 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 yeah. to improve it. And then coming back to additional stuff you can do with your soil, how important is getting the pH right? pH is, is critical, you know, we need to be operating at a pH of over 6, you know, ideally 6.3 to 6.5 in my book, because we want to make sure we've got the nutrients available. We want to, in this day and age when we've got fertiliser which is expensive, we dip to 5.9, 5.8, 11 of nitrogen's disappeared straight away. So, you know, 11 percent of 300 quid. It's, it's especially when we're looking at uh, carbon footprinting on exactly. the farms yeah. now as well, uh, then getting your pH correct is going to increase the efficiency and hopefully reduce the amount of nitrogen required to grow the crop to its potential. It's the, the, if you can utilise more of the organic nitrogen in the, in the organic matter as well as the mineral nitrogen you've applied, then you possibly are going to reduce reduce your uh, spend on nitrogen for a start, um, which is, as it's the most energy intensive uh, uh, material you put onto the farm, then if you can reduce it, then you're, gonna, you're going to reduce the carbon footprint of the farm. I think the challenge is also with the phosphorus side of things, there's a, you know, a tendency to always put phosphorus down when we're drilling, and I understand there's reasons in certain areas, but we've got massive phosphorus reserves in a lot of soils. You dip below six, 48% of the phosphorus is locked up. Yeah. So just the ability to, to lime, you know, a small amount of lime, whether it's good quality bulk lime yeah. or it's granular lime, you know, apply it and, and release the phosphorus. So I suppose the first step there for a farmer would be to find out what his pH is in his fields. So getting soil sampling done is really important. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, it, soil sampling is essential in my book. Is there's no point. The old ad will just put two tons on yeah. and, and hope. If you measure it, then you know. If you don't measure it, you don't know and you're in the dark. You really need to be measuring, especially lime, pH, and as Mark says, apply a good quality product to to, to deal with any of the issues that you find. Yeah, and there is a caveat to put in here with the, the techniques that are used in Scotland as opposed to in England. Yeah, it's the, that's one of the one of the issues that there's two different method methodologies used for measuring lime. There's RBO209 ADAS method and there's the SRUC method. They're slightly different. It doesn't change the soil, but if you're using the, sc the scales, then you need to know which scale you're on because you could end up over liming um, if you're using the SRUC scale, which is, tends to be liming to 6.2, whereas the RB209 scale will be li liming to 6.5, but then, in all intensive purposes, those are the same point, yeah. and you just need to, to be understand where you're at um, with, the, with the, the methodology you're using. So it's I mean, I think the key to, to that, and you know, Gavin's right in terms of what, what he's highlighting, but in, in effect, it doesn't matter where you get the soil testing yeah. done, what what is critical is don't just take the soil test back make sure as a, if you don't understand it get good interpretation but get sound interpretation you know there's some uh, soil testing that's done there and the soil testing is done just to sell fertilizer yeah we accept that fertilizer is required but there might be other interactions within that soil test that won't just be about p and k yeah. 
and pH. There could be interactions there. So, you know, get the soil analysis in, interpreted properly, soundly, with yeah. sound recommendations. Especially for the area you're farming in. It's, it's uh, interpret according to where you are um, and that uh, with somebody who actually knows the, the area. Because that is that is key. And especially as we're mentioning phosphorus, um, the couple of me different methods of measuring phosphorus are, are key and the, the work that's been done on fo phosphorus absorption capacity um, in the soils, depending on so the soil association here in Scotland, a lot of work has been done uh, just to identify if additional phosphorus is required because the soil naturally locks up a lot more phosphorus than your standard uh, soil so, yeah. so that's that's been done so it's key and there's different methodologies used as um for measuring the, the phosphorus so you need to have what use the like in scotland's modified morgans it's more suited to the acidic type soils um whereas the olsen p is more suitable to the alkaline and that's that can be used in Scotland because we have naturally alkaline soils in Scotland that we recommend to use Olsen P. Coming back to the actual to, to, to liming for a moment, um, is it important to get the lime material tested as well? Yeah, I mean it is. There's a new scheme that's come out through the Agricultural Lime Association which is called AQS, Ag Lime Quality Standard. What that is doing is encouraging participating members to get their supply right. from each quarry of any of the big organisations, the quarrying organisations, any of their supplying quarries, they're, they're required under the scheme to get an annual test of that quarry. Mm -hmm. And the key, key messages there are the granulometry, which they'll do to see the particle size. They'll also do neutralising value. Um, but the, the, the important one is, is actually reactivity, because that's how rapidly the the, the liming product's going to work. And that relates to the granulometry. It doesn't relate to the NV. In reality, the finer the material, the higher the reactivity, the faster your pH is going to shift. So we get to a situation where rather than putting on stuff that looks a bit more like road chippings with a bit of dust in it, we get the finer material and we can put less on and we're going to get a higher reactivity. In effect, you know, what we're trying to do, it's like feeding a cow. You feed it, if you feed it a consistent diet soil, it reacts well. The problem we have in, within our industry a little bit is that we put big hits of material on, whether that be organic matter or whether that be lime, and we all, almost give the soil indigestion. So it raises something very quickly. It can raise, temporarily raise the pH if you put a lot of lime on, so that makes, locks certain things up, makes others more available. So it's balance is key. If you're looking at the soil biology, it's you can imagine the soil biology was trotting along quite happily at maybe pH five point seven, and then you put enough lime on to take it up to six point two, and all of a sudden the, the poor old bugs that you'll get a whole heap of them will say, well I can't live that, so they all pop up, pop their clogs. So your soils actually goes sterile, sterile for a wee while before the the new set of bugs start to build, mm -hmm. and then so. It, the key thing is a little and often, and yeah. to make sure, and good soil analysis to make sure that you don't get these spikes. Yeah, so it's important to keep on top of uh, pH and alignment. Yes. From consistently throughout, yep. rather than just once every five years or. We've got to get away from this once every five years, which, as we discussed earlier on, was based on the the grant scheme that was yeah. historically there. You know, we've got to be more proactive. 
with what we're doing because ultimately we need we want to maintain our pH above six. Yeah. For me, there's no excuse to let your pH go below five point eight. When you've dealt with pH and you've gotten pH up, what role do uh, organic fertilizers play in nutrient management? Uh, organic fertilizers, in my opinion, are a real benefit to farming. Um, one, because it reduces the amount of bought-in fertilizer and helps the economy uh, of the farm. And two, because generally they add a bit of biology to the, to, yeah. to the, to the life, yeah. to the soil. And depending on the material you're adding, you could be adding a bit of organic matter in the, in the form of liquid slurries, digestates tend not to have much, car adding much carbon, but you could be adding a fair bit if you're applying straw cattle manure uh, to it or um, green compost. So you, you have the opportunities to, to, if you need, especially in light soils, which in the area we're in has a lot of uh, really light sandy, sandy loam so soils, then addition of carbon has a, has a real benefit because if you're looking to keep uh, the major nutrients, they're either tied to the organic matter or they're tied to the clay. And since there's not a vast amount of clay in the soils in, in this area, then your, the organic matter becomes key to, to keeping the nutrient status and for maintaining the, the life of the soil. So and will that be more important then for arable farmers to get the organic matter in? Yes, it tends to be more important because uh, mixed farming or grassland farmers, the grass is pulling in carbon all the time because you've got the, the root mass as well. So and it's and you've less disturbance. Every time you disturb soils, you reduce the carbon level in the soils. So. I mean, what's key to using the organic matters as well is is, is the analysis. Yeah. Particularly if you're an arable farm with no stock and you're buying it in, you need to know what yeah. you're buying in particularly some of these digestates, because the digestates can spike in certain nutrients. And, and there's other waste products on the market as well, you know, that get shipped in. And you've got to understand whether it is suitable. For, just because it's cheap, it doesn't mean it's, it's, yeah. it's good. So, you know, demand an analysis before you spread anything on the farm. And like you said, if, if you've got the analysis, you know what's in it, yes. then that can have a knock-on effect to save you money. Exactly. Your, it's, you, could ad, you can adjust your mineral application yeah. to, to match what, what the... Generally, organic materials are not an even fertiliser. So they're, they're, they're unlike a, a bagged product, which is, can be manufactured to what you, you require, organic materials, fertilisers, come as what they are. You then have to manipulate your uh, fertilizer, your, your chemical or bag fertilizer application to suit the bits that they, that they don't supply. So, and in your which are which are inorganic fertilizers then? Is it all about NP and K? Well, no, it's not because we've got more of a challenge now, particularly in so soils where there's low organic matter. There isn't the reserve of micronutrients in particular. Mm -hmm. You know, the micronutrients do tend to reside within the organic fraction in particular. So. It, it again, it comes back to analysis. Yeah. You know, don't don't just do basics, PK mag pH soil analysis. Actually, get a little bit more done. Mm -hmm. You know, we we spend a lot of money on tractors with all this fancy gear on and high tech sprayers and stuff like that. Yet, for some reason, we can't spend forty quid on an eight hectare field, twenty acre field to do a decent soil analysis. You know, maybe use a bit of tissue analysis as well, yeah. because in season. You know, you might need to have some remedial.
program. For example, zinc, as we mentioned earlier, when you see the visual symptoms, it's 20% deficient, mm-hmm. or you're going to get a 20% yield reduction. You're already too late. You're already too late. Yeah. And so what, what nutrients then do you think are very important, but have maybe been overlooked or neglected? Well, in my book, calcium. Calcium as a nutrient, forget you know, adjusting pH, because we can adjust pH with calcium, magnesium, potassium, or sodium. Calcium is forgotten. Calcium levels in soils, as shown by lots of labs, is, are very, very low. So we get conditions in, um, particularly you see it more in vegetables, which are you know, the softer uh, crops, um, fast growing. You get tip burn, for example, or, or in potatoes, you get internal uh, rust spot. Mm-hmm. And even in apples, you get a condition called bitter pit. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're the more visible ones. Okay. But then if you look, actually look at grass, in some of the trial work I've done, actually, what we've proved is as well, supplying calcium um, in grass improves cell wall digestibility. So just the overall quality, the digestibility of a crop, the production potential for livestock farmers through supplying a bit of calcium and making sure the calcium's there. Calcium can be supplied through uh, the fertilizers, some of the fertilizers, some of the blends have granular lime in them, some of them have calcium nitrate, calcium ammonium nitrate. You've got calcium sulfate products on the market as well. Some nitrogen fertilizers with calcium sulfate in there, which are much kinder on the soil, but are also supplying soluble calcium as well. You would recommend that farmers get that in their soil samples as well, have a yeah. look at those kind of trace elements in their, and then act on it? Yeah, it's a raft of, it's a raft of elements. Mm-hmm. You know, you, as we said earlier on, you need to know what's the limiting factor on your yeah. farm. And the limiting factor might not be a deficiency, it might actually be an excess yeah. because that excess is knocking something else out. I think that's one of the things we looked at today with, with doing the nutrient budget. It's so, so quite easily applying dung at the wrong application rate. You can be a far, in far excess of the, of the crop for, let's say, potassium mm-hmm. very easily. And it, I think that's, that's, you've got to watch that. It's, um, these things can can build up if you're continue, especially if you're continually doing that. It's, it's you, you mentioned in your um, in your presentations, cation exchange capacity and getting that looked at in soil samples. It, it tend, cation exchange tends to be. It, it looks at just actually the, the amount of sites on it for holding uh, the the cations on 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 the soil, and it tends to be. It's really important in heavy clay soils because there's far more sites on, on acidic compared to the lighter soils where we have fewer and we're more reliant on the organic matter. There's a lower clay, clay percentage, but the, 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 the need to be, it needs to be viewed as a, an important part of the analysis. Okay. I mean, it's in deter- it helps determine, you know, we, we can soil type, as we said earlier on, but the bands of cation exchange capacity within a soil do vary because the way the soil types are, yeah. it depends on the clay content, um, and it's clay. You know, if you want to to work what we call a base saturation calculation out, it, cation exchange capacity is essential to understand the balance of the four major cations: calcium, magnesium, potassium, and sodium. Um, so, you would both agree it's, it's worthwhile getting these. It's it's worthwhile if, if if you think your soil's not performing, then it's it it's worthwhile doing. Um, and it's as Mark said, it's relatively uh, economic. 
yeah. to, to do that compared to the you've price for a standard and you're not much more to, to get these things right. done done and, and as an addition but it's as, as mark mentioned earlier it's key to get the interpretation because mm -hmm. the more detail you get in your soil analysis yeah. the more difficult it becomes to interpret so you're looking maybe at some specialist advice initially it's it's farmers are very adept at picking up information yeah. and learning themselves they just often need a bit of guidance at the start and, that, and that's the, the key part so. and how often then would you how often would you recommend soil sampling if you want a number on it i'd say to every three years every max three years. Yeah. in an arable situation yes and probably in a high production grassland situation as well three crop grass systems yeah you've mm -hmm. got to because yeah. three crop grass systems actually remove more than a lot of arable crops yeah that's that is i think i showed up and the, yeah. the the amount of potassium that uh, is removed uh, in a even just a two cut silage yeah. system is immense and it's generally if you look at a, a farm a, a gps soil map on a dairy farm or an intensive livestock farm, you can pick out the fields quite easily which were cut for silage because yeah. they're all the ones that are low in potassium because even the amount of slurry you can back on doesn't often put enough back on. And that's the, the key thing is make sure your uh, slurry and, and your farmyard manure is analysed because if your material you're harvesting is low in potassium, what comes out the back end of the cow is going to be low in potassium mm. as well. So it's, it's, I mean, it's it, the analysis of slurry is, you know, is vitally important. I had a, an instance um, this last year where I had two samples where the calcium level was massively different, and the reason was the style of bedding that the, the farm was right. using. So if you change yeah. your bedding material, it can very much change the slurry that you're putting on, yeah. and you need to reanalyze. The guy with the calcium, the, the papers, calcium treated uh, waste paper um, what he was putting on an annual basis was equivalent to putting 850 kilos of lime on per annum all his phs were over seven you know it's this ramifications of not knowing what you're applying which is well gavin and i you know 100% agree and then would you also then um be advocates for gps soil sampling and be more precision agriculture side of it Particularly when it comes to, um, uh, there were some farmers out there today who spoke about um, liming different areas of the fields a bit differently. Yeah. Well, yes, I think for, for pH um, uh, precision analysis, uh, precision sampling is, is ideal. It's, and especially the, the systems that go out to a quarter hectare pH, they're going to really give you a real idea of what the farm is. Generally, for most of the other nutrients, an, an amalgamated sample would be probably enough to, to keep you going because the, there tends not to be the same economic benefit from the precision side of that, yeah. from, from that whereas you do get it in the, adjusting the pH. So, um, so there, was a, there was a great kind of, great questions asked today, um, a great discussion. Uh, I just took, took note of some of these questions and uh, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to... Yeah ask them back to you now. So there was um, one, one person asked about uh, phosphorus levels and can you quickly improve um, the phosphorus in your, that is already in your soil by applying lime? 
question? Yeah, that was the, uh, that was the the, the point. I mean, I think. There's a big misunderstanding in terms of phosphorus in soil and the soil analysis that we do is measuring, actually measuring available phosphorus. Okay. So there's a, the farmers have got into their heads almost that that's total phosphorus and that it's not available. No, what we're actually seeing in the soil results is available phosphorus. Right. But going back to your, your first part of the question, yes, if the pH is sub-6, we get the pH over six there's a potential to release or phosphorus is 48 percent more available okay so the phosphorus within the soil becomes more available yeah. um with a, a pH at a more optimum level yes okay. um and then another farmer asked about uh the percentage reactivity with lime and just what exactly does that mean well reactivity is to do with it is to do with particle size within lime yeah. As we spoke about earlier in this podcast, I think, uh, you know, the important thing is that when the granules are small, they need to be, you know, they need to be under one millimeter real in reality to work because unless the soil is very acidic, you will not break down the big granules. Well, coming back to that then, then this leads on nicely to the next question, which was, does a, a larger granule line have, have a better long term impact? No, because basically, unless you drop, let the pH drop to 5.2, which is you know, a lot more acidic yeah. than a pH of 6.2. Mm -hmm. This is what, you know, these misconceptions need to be kind of ironed out. They're, they're holding farming back in a little, a little yeah. bit. There's kind of myth and magic almost behind some of this. No, it's not money in the bank. You know, you want it to work this year. You want your pH to be optimised this year, not in five years' time, yeah. because you want to stay um, in farming. Yeah, exactly. And then again, another question about lime is, it was, is there an unsafe level for applying lime that will lock out other nutrients? You have to take, as we said earlier on, local advice, mm -hmm. because on these lighter soils around here, the potential is that you put the same rate as on a clay soil, and the pH will rapidly increase maybe over seven and all of a sudden you've locked out things like manganese totally and even even phosphorus actually because if you get too high a ph of over seven you'll lock out phosphorus so local knowledge is key your agronomy expertise even your own farming expertise you will have known what you're happy with on your farm over the years you know this is where um, local knowledge helps the, the siuc advice generally is is not to apply generally not to apply more than two tons uh, per acre or five tons per hectare in one go if your soil is below that then the idea is you apply half of it on the surface then plow that down and then apply the remainder on so you get get it through the profile quicker so uh, the, the only thing with applying on on the plow and plowing down is the potential to lose lime and you know, I'm not a great. I'm not the biggest fan of ploughing it down. To be quite honest, I'd much prefer to see it work through the profile, because there is a tenant. It depends on the capabilities of the ploughman and when when he's ploughing next, as to if you've got it worked into the profile or not. There was also a bit of bit of chat, a bit of discussion about the variation of the quality of lime that's getting delivered. How often should a farmer insist on the lime being tested? Under the AQS scheme, Ag Lime Quality Standard through the ALA, 
the minimum requirement there is is annually. Okay. You know, I, I see regularly see analysis sent to me of Lyme that was tested five years ago. Yeah. That is not acceptable. And that'll vary due to the actual just the quarrying activities and where the Lyme is coming from, or the condition of their machinery. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I know of one quarry in Scotland, which you know, one company that have, have recently replaced all their screens to make sure they actually achieve AQS. Okay. There was one question about uh, calcium. So what is more important, the calcium level in the soil or the calcium-magnesium ratio? Well, there is a balance between calcium and magnesium. If magnesium dominates, you'll get a tight, sticky soil. Ultimately, what, what is important is making sure that calcium is being measured. Yeah. This is the biggest problem. Cal calcium is not measured, so therefore, if you've got a magnesium and someone says, well, the magnesium's high, well, if you haven't measured calcium, you don't know whether it's high in comparison to the calcium. And if you don't know the CEC either, you can't really advise on that. So it's one of the SIEC have changed their analysis now that calcium is one of the standard outputs and the, even the basic soil analysis, so you get the calcium-magnesium uh, ideal ratio. It's quite... it's. It's like a lot of things in soil. It's there's not really an ideal one, and um, depending on the soil, a different ratio might fit. Um, so we we have to be very careful. We don't pr be prescriptive on something. It's but it's understanding if one is particularly out of uh, line with the other. I think it's that then you need to be looking at the the two of them. And the, the soils were a thing I can't remember. Remember, often me that there is, but there is a range, uh, and it's in the the current technical well the current the range in the current technical note I think is a thousand to three thousand now you've got to qualify that because that that range is for a is ultimately for a, a soil of a CEC of approximately eight to a CEC of approximately twenty so you need to know this you need to know your CEC to actually understand where you need to be in that range and that is important because you could you know, a thousand, a thousand parts per million at a CEC of 20 is just not good enough. Yeah. You're going to get so structural problems. There, we touched on kind of other micronutrients such as uh, zinc, and there was a question about foliar spraying yeah. of zinc. Is that too late? If you've seen, if the deficiency has been detected in the leaf, yes. You know, you need to be, you need to be ahead of the game. You need to be analysing the soil, um, and then you know, you probably need to be doing an early tissue analysis as well. But even with tissue analysis, when you detect it, it's probably yeah. too late. It's, it's almost like you're, you're doing your analysis for next year. Yes. You're, you're, you're preempting, do I have a problem? Okay. I'll need to sort it next year. So. Yeah. I, I think that tended to be uh, uh, throughout mm -hmm. the discussion, even with your soil sample and everything. Yeah. It's like you're, you're trying to um, do the analysis now so that you can... Mm -hmm act on it that it won't be an issue in the future yes yeah. um, and that's one of the one of the key micronutrients it tends to get to uh, give issues in this part of well in the light soils is copper um, okay. less so if you're using a lot of uh, organic uh, pig manure or, or uh, even cattle manure there's a certain amount of copper being put back into the soil but generally if it's just a, an arable uh, farm with no livestock then these ones are starting to see uh, especially in the light soils we've naturally 
cooler levels of copper in the soil. So, right. so another reason to get mm-hmm. more than just the NPNK. Yes. Sulfur also, we touched on sulfur a small bit. Sulfur has been reducing over the last 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, the, it's not getting deposited in rainfall anymore. Mm-hmm. Is that becoming an issue? Generally in the, in the intensive crops that you're growing, uh, uh, oilseed rape, any of the brassicas, or you you need to look at your soil and assess the risk factor. But generally, some of those crops you're applying it regardless of soil type uh, to mm-hmm. a certain amount. Other crops, cereals are less. Milling wheat and wheat probably would be the next. But one of the key ones is grassland because it's uh, that because of the quantities you take off in vegetative growth for them. And does it does it cause an issue um, with livestock? It can cause uh, health issues in livestock, and it can it can be excessive. And you know, I, it, basically, some of this harks back to science that was done thirty, forty years ago. And what that science was detecting massive levels of sulphur um, in forages and grassland. But that, as we you know, was down to the deposition that was happening on the soil at that point. Mm-hmm. So now the deposition's kind of reduced from about a hundred kilos to about six. We've got a major. <laughs> major shortage of sulfur in a lot of areas yeah. and you know going back to the to the livestock side of things if you know you see a massive difference between silage crops that are, are well supplied with sulfur and those aren't in terms of overall quality um, proteins feeding to milk characteristics digestible fiber you know it, it's important and as we look more at carbon uh, sorry at nitrogen use efficiency you know sulfur is essential for utilizing nitrogen and you will see a yield in, increase in a lot of situations yeah there's, there's various tests um can be carried out um there's the malate sulfate test and then the nitrogen sulfur test both will assess in the, the herbage how the level of uh, sulfur and it's trying to predict are you going to have a shortage or you're not so yeah if, the, if you could recommend one thing for far, for a farmer to go and do right now maybe improve their soil health or their nutrient management what would you what would you recommend for me it would be um, do a good detailed soil test okay get your manures analyzed get get uh, a good uh, a good analysis done in your manures so you know exactly what you're putting in there is the technical notes, but they tend to give a typical value. And that we saw today, that typical value can be either lower or higher than what your material is. So you need to know what you've got. Well, I think both of your suggestions will work together. Because if you're getting your soil, soil analysed sufficiently and you're getting your soils and yours analysed, you can work to put the two of them together to reduce your um, cost when it comes to uh, bag fertilizer so it's yeah so we made that's the whole idea yep. reduce costs and maintain profitability that's it uh, well thanks very much uh, for staying on and chatting to us for more information you can visit the farm advisory service website and there you'll find technical notes on all of the things that we spoke about today there will also be more soil nutrient network meetings in inverness in the future and they're open to the public to come along. Thanks for listening.